0: Judges chapter 7, and we're going to call this one the original 300. Long before Leonidas and the fateful 300 Spartans, before they did that, there were 300 soldiers who absolutely decimated an enemy warrior clan people we're going to talk about it in just a moment but as always like what we're doing here make sure you like share and subscribe to the youtube channel we're on the road to 1000 we're going to get there with your help we are not quite halfway there (laughs) we're going to make it in jesus name if you are listening to the podcast make sure you are subscribing to the podcast you're leaving us a five-star review it really does help and go to the facebook group right there at bible breakdown discussion it's awesome. It's great. They're leaving wonderful information there. And thank you so much for some of the questions you're asking. It gives us an opportunity to dig deeper because the more we dig, the more we find. And I love getting the opportunity to do life together. If you have your Bibles, you want to open them up to Judges chapter 7. Let me catch you up with what happened yesterday so we can jump into God's word for today. This book is happening between the time of Joshua and between the time of the kings. This was a time. When I mean, Israel had no king. They did what was, whatever was right in their own eyes, and that was the problem, right? And so as we've said, the overall theme of Judges is don't be stupid, <laughs> follow God. You know, a nicer way of saying it is don't do life your way, do life God's way. Because when we don't do life God's way, we fall into this cycle of sin. And we saw last uh, last chapter chapter six the cycle of sin had happened again and they had walked away from god and so god wrote, um, raised up a guy named gideon to be a, a a warrior and a judge and deliver the nation of israel from the midianites well it starts off with he goes and he you know gets rid of the 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 baal worshipers and the esheroth pole in his community and then he's slowly you know, gaining his confidence. And then the Midianites get together and they declare war against Israel. So he is now declaring war back against them. And he's getting ready to just summon this massive army that's going to go fight this other massive army. But God has different plans. And here's the thing. I got on my soapbox for a second yesterday because it was talking about that whole fleece thing putting out fleeces before the Lord. Well, here's the thing about fleeces. They're fine. God's word shows us that that's a way that we can figure out God speaking to us. But number one is that a fleece should never substitute what we know about God's word. Of God is not obligated to honor our fleeces. And then sometimes... God will test us in return. So it's always like, be careful when you do that. So let's find out what happens. We're going to read this, and this is, this is wonderful. We're going to jump into this and see what God does in the life of Gideon. Here we go. Judges chapter 7, verse 1 says this. So, Jerub Baal, that is Gideon, that means Baal will defend himself, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them at the valley near the hill of Morea. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves from their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave the mountain and go home. So 22,000 men went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight, to which I guarantee you the 10,000 that were left must not have been afraid because if half the army just heads to the house and you're not afraid, you need to be there because, wow, all right, here we go. Half of them went home. But the Lord told Gideon, "Eh, There are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. And when Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. On one group put all those who cup water with their hand and lap with their tongue like dogs. And the other group put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouth in the stream. Only 300 men drank with their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths on the stream. Then the Lord told Gideon, With these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all them other jokers home. So Gideon collected the provisions and the ram's horn from the other warriors and sent them home, but he kept the 300 men with him. Now, one of the reasons why some people who study such things think that God probably chose them is someone who has water cupped in their hand, that means they are watching, they're being vigilant. They're still keeping their eyes open and looking around them. They're ready for a fight. Those who just put their heads in the water, they're, they're not prepared. They're not thinking about their surroundings. And so likely what God has done is he has taken out and singled out the very best warriors of 300 that, that were 300 because they're ready and they've got their mindset for battle. So here we go. The Midianites camped in the valley just below Gideon. Verse 9. That night, the Lord said, get up, go down into the Midian camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon and Pura went down, took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like swarms of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. And the man said, I had this dream. And in this dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. And it hit a tent and turned it over and knocked it flat. And his companion answered, Your dream can only mean one thing. God has given Gideon, the son of Joash, and the Israelites the victory over Midian and all its allies which is kind of amazing because if I heard that dream, I'd just be like, dude, what a weird dream, and moved on. So God obviously orchestrated this situation. All right, verse 15. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed and worship before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. And he divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as, uh, as, soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too. And all around the camp, shout for the Lord and for Gideon. It was after midnight after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and his 100 men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp, suddenly he blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and their horns in their right hands, and they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched all the Midianites as they rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. Then the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, and the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to the places as far as Beth Shittah near Saraiah and to the border of Abel Mahath near Tabath. Gideon sent for the warriors of Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh who joined in chasing the army of Midian. Gideon also sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim saying, come down to attack the Midianites. Cut them off at the shallow crossing of the Jordan River at Beth Baara. So the men of Ephraim did as they were told, and they captured Oreb and Zeeb and the two Midianite commanders, killing Oreb with, at the rock of Oreb and Zeeb at the winepress of Zeeb, and they continued to chase the Midianites. Afterward, the Israelites brought the heads of Oreb and Zeeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan River. So wow in that moment, what happened was, is as they surrounded this massive deal, they had their torches in the clay jars, which would have hidden the light. So when they broke the clay jars, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, all of these lights showed up. And the ram's horns, as it would have encircled the entire camp, would have echoed, and it would have sounded like a whole lot more than, the, than it was. And since it was dark and at night, they didn't realize there was only 300. They thought that maybe that was just the front line of thousands and thousands and thousands. And so that threw them into chaos. And in the moment of chaos, they started fighting against each other. And so at the end of the day, God won the victory for these amazing, amazing warriors and did something that only God could do. So what can we learn out of this? Sometimes when we obey God, it looks like we're going in the wrong direction. You notice how in that moment, God's like, no, we got to get rid of some of these people because you're going to realize or you're going to think it's you and not really me that does this victory. Sometimes when we go through life, there are these moments when we have to take a strategic step backwards so we can go forward. For instance, when God asks you to apologize to someone when it wasn't all your fault, (laughs) that maybe you had part of the blame, but you sure enough didn't have all the blame. Well, sometimes you have to humble yourself so that you can move forward maybe it's a situation where you wanted one job but the door that got open was a different job and it looks like a step backwards in your career but if that's the door that god has opened maybe he's opening that door because he's doing something elsewhere so it really comes down to choosing to trust the lord now we look back and go wow look at what god did with 300 but i wonder if as gideon was getting ready for battle If he was looking at those 300 and going, I mean, these are great guys and all, that's a really big army. Maybe that's why God told him, hey, look, if you're doubting what I'm doing, you're welcome to go down and see for yourself. It's okay to wonder what God is doing. It's just not okay to give up. And maybe that's an encouragement for some of you today. Maybe you've had to take some strategic steps backwards. Maybe some things haven't quite worked out the way you thought it would. And you're kind of doubting, God, I love you. I trust you. I'm just not quite sure how you're going to do it. That's okay. God's not intimidated by our tough questions and by our concerns. The only thing we don't want to do is we don't want to stop moving forward because if we will continue to move forward and trust God, it's then that God does the impossible. Our job is the possible. Our job is to gather the army. Our job is to obey God even when it doesn't make sense. And then when we're sitting there and we're doing the very best we can and we're obeying God, it's then that He does the impossible. Whatever you're facing today, can I tell you, if you be faithful and you do possible, God will always do the impossible and it will create an amazing testimony of his faithfulness in your life. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, that just like Gideon, sometimes we have these moments of subtraction in our life. It's not because you're not with us. It's because you are for us. I pray, God, that you'll help us to always trust you in all things, to allow you to do what only you can do in our lives. Thank you, God, in advance for all you're doing in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Remember, the whole reason all this is happening is because of Jud- Judges 17:6. it says, in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. I'm begging you, as I'm trying to learn myself, Let's be sure as a team here to not do life our way, to do life God's way, because he'll always lead us in the right direction. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for Judges chapter eight.